because she's so good at being mean too. Yeah, and no, I don't feel like she's been in this weird little movie series her... called Harry Potter. Oh, stop! Where she plays a super villain, mm-hmm. and I think uh, if Julia one day will actually. <laughs> In case you haven't, there's a running gag. If you, in case you haven't noticed, that Terry really, really wants me to get to see and read Harry Potter. I forgot to talk Potter. about last week when we talked about Repo. Like all the portraits reminded me of Harry Potter. Okay. Like that's all I thought. Anyway, anyway, back to you. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final girl. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. Yeah, I'm Terry. I'm Julia. This week we're talking about 2007's Sweeney Todd. Todd. The Demon Barber of Sleet Street. <laughs> this title of this episode is You Shall Drip Rubies. Yes. Tagline for this movie, never forget, never forgive. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm not blown away by it, but it's applicable at least. And uh, It's applicable. It's definitely a revenge drama. Yeah. So this film uh, is one of many versions of Sweeney Todd that have seen the screen. Um, this was based on, Sweeney Todd itself is based on an 1846 story, uh, The String of Pearls by Anonymous, which I have actually read. Oh, sweet. Um, and you can see where Sweeney Todd comes from, but you have to kind of pull him out of the story a little bit. There's a lot more going on. Are, not in the most interesting way, to be honest. I wish it was a little more focused on just what Sondheim is able to like pull out of mm-hmm. this. And so this uh, was uh, done as a night. So this is book and music by Stephen Sondheim. Sondheim. And there was a, the re- king. Originally a 1979 Broadway version with right. uh, Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Lovett and Lynn Carew as Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. that ran for 557 performances. And so just a little while. Won, won the Tony for Best uh, Director, Best Book and Score, and Best Musical. Yeah, it's amazing. Hal Prince did the staging and everything mm-hmm. too. And he's also was just genius people. So I had originally seen Sweeney Todd. So the the version that I originally saw was the uh, VHS version, which is a 1989 production right. with uh, Angela Lansbury. And George Hearn. And George Hearn. Um, so I saw it in high school. They showed it to us in, in drama class and it blew my head off because I had never conceived of a musical horror. I'd never conceived of a musical that was really bloody and really awful and they have that ear piercing whistle and like it's just like the music's really discordant and like people are not necessarily trying to sound pretty no they don't sound They're, there's a right. lot of people there's trying to sound awful and and kind of characters yes and i mm-hmm. and i really i i just blew my mind so when we watched this film so the because the stage version is 140 minutes right and this play in this movie version is 116 minutes ah, so i was like okay what, what did they, they cut what did they cut so i rewatched uh that version the okay. angel lansbury's version and basically mostly what they cut is the, some of the songs are longer and there's a, a chorus that comes in that gives you the tale and like up, the update you know they're what's like happening. the narrators yes, yes. Like the Greek chorus yeah of the so actually christopher lee was cast in this film as part of that chorus they filmed that chorus and 
Anthony Stewart Head, our friend from Reaper the Genetic Opera. Also Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Giles, yes, we love course, you forever. Was also one of this chorus that got excised. Although Anthony Stewart has, has one line in the film, so he's still there. Oh, I um, wish there was more of him. I love him. He is great. Yeah. Uh, so it, so it, there's a kind of unfairness in, in me watching the film this time because I've seen it so many, this version so many times. And I, I like it. And I think... Tim Burton's kind of made to do this film and I and I love the casting and I, I like Johnny Depp and I like Helen Bonham Carter but mm-hmm. after watching it right after this Angela Lansbury and George Hurt performance where because it's theatrical they're giving it so much it's their whole bodies are into these performances really on fire mm-hmm. you know really on fire and then you it's know just you, such a different medium though yes and then so the, the film version feels very flat in a way but just because it's a lot more still it is a lot more still is what you get, but it's also just remember in cinema, it's like, it's not about wagging your head a bunch, especially if you have a beautiful face like Johnny Depp that you're just going to, you want to get into those eyes. Yeah. So there's a lot of close ups, which I feel like is very different than watching a stage version where you're getting the whole picture right. and the, like the proscenium and everything that you're seeing. Um, yeah, I get it. It's very different. It is very different. Um, so I have some alternate universe casting for us before we get in. Bring it to on. It. So we could have had, um, as Joanna, we could have had Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, she would have. Been, that makes sense. Uh, but wasn't able to do it. Went on to do the next film with Tim Burton, which was Alice Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, that was kind yeah. of not their best choice there. Yep. Nope. Um, <laughs> and then I have a, a slew of of Lovitz that may or may not have actually been up for it. We can decide for ourselves and imagine. Yeah, them I'm all. sure he was probably gonna always go with Helena, like for this part, like hello. But yes, let's hear the let's hear the ones they, that he had yes. to present to the, the studio. The quote unquote auditions. <laughs> um, Tony Collette, which would have been oh yeah, she would have interesting. killed she it. I don't know if she sings, but I think she would have been great because honestly, her acting is so freaking good and like post like Muriel's wedding and all that stuff too. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet. Uh huh. Which I would have loved to have seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Bernadette Peters, um, and Imelda Staunton, who might be my favorite on that list because I'm like, yes, Imelda Staunton, I can see you as Mrs. Lovett. She would have killed it yes but Imelda Staunton actually has played villains and she's really great at it I just feel like she's good at everything she does and I don't feel like I've ever seen her go as far as she could go and I feel like this she could really like she'd go to town so we open with uh, a boat some people on a boat we have young Anthony oh gorgeous man just like literally the the purest, sweetest soul in the dirtiest place. Yeah. I mean, old timey London. We That's, love it all grimy, grimy. I love dirty London. Covered in so such much. just dirty ass London. <laughs> like I'm giggling because I love dirty London. <laughs> she loves dirty, it. Dirty Victorian London is high on my list. Dirty, of dirty London. It just reminds me of like if you guys watch The Crown at all too, like Winston Churchill when like everything's covered in soot. This is what it looks like. It is disgusting and it's wonderful. So we have this very, you know, starry eyed young boy who's singing about how wonderful London is and and in what Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd, the palest, most decrepit, angry, hardened, broken man. Uh uh, you are young. Life has been kind to you. You will, you will learn. learn. Like, ooh, it's kind of true, though. <laughs> we just talked about that, too, yeah. about getting older. It's really true. Yeah, You're like, man, I mean, that's... young, sweet thing. He's like, you just don't even know you haven't been broken yet by life. And and that's the thing about Sondheim's music is like, not only is are the, the rhythms and the the pacing and the but the lyrics are so pointed and then especially in this brutal like i don't think i've ever heard musical with such brutal lyrics i'm like jesus sweet hot say fuck it around he's not at all son him is great for a turn of phrase and really getting into the heart of the matter just like that um so they're sailing into london and you know the young little anthony singing there's no place like london um and todd makes his way to his old neighborhood it looks like and it looks like he knows this area um he's like a 
shadows. That's it. Is it the little old lady who talks about shadows or ghosts or something else around the beggar woman? Yeah, there's a beggar woman, and she's like, "Is it, is it shadows or are they ghosts? What's happening?" And you're like, "Ooh, right," because we're getting a little bit of what his backstory is mm-hmm. because we haven't we when basically he says he was young, he had a beautiful wife with a beautiful daughter, and this there was an evil judge. Yep, this guy Judge, judge Turpin, Turpin, played by a Harry Potter villain. Uh, Alan Rickman. You can't say Harry Potter villain Alan Rickman. I will not because he is so much more than that. He's, I know he's Hans Gruber. He's a many yeah, people's villain. A lot of you diehard people. I get it. I'm here for you as well. Um, Alan Rickman is, is amazing, but it's just it's just funny. I just was saying that because we're talking about other ones. I had to do I it, know. Julia. I know. I All these it. amazing people that you love. Message received. Yep. Uh, so, so the, he had a beautiful wife, uh, with beautiful daughter mm-hmm. and the judge wanted the wife and how are we going to get her. the wife, mm-hmm. get the husband out of the way on Each. a trumped up charge since he is a judge Yep, and send him away to Australia. Yep. Bye. As you do. Cause he has to go to the colonies, you know, Bye. they go to the, the, it's so pretty, he, good, pretty good plan. It's a brilliant plan. So he gets him out of the way. And so he tries to woo her, but she's not really having it because she really did love her husband and wants him back and is wants to wait, but it gets harder and harder for her. Yes. As a woman alone, this is a time when women couldn't have own anything and have your, you know, don't have your own property or anything like that. So if your man's away, it becomes really hard to maintain a life. Um, so can I just say that uh, the Worst Pies in London is one of my favorite musical numbers of all time. Full yes. stop. Full stop. Agreed. I can't. The first time I heard it, I couldn't even. I've never heard a song like that ever in my life. I couldn't even wrap my head around. I was like, what the fuck is happening in this song? This is incredible. I want to watch it again and again and again. And you have. And I, I have. love it. So and we meet Mrs. Lovett, um, played by Helena Bonham Carter. And, and you know, she doesn't know how to make good pies. <laughs> She's got pies with roaches crawling out of them is what she's got. It's pretty gross. Like this kitchen is disgusting. Like you're talking about dirty Victorian London. Here we are. This is the reality of what it's really like. I mean, like there is dust everywhere. So it's like she ain't cleaning shit in this right. place. She's just not, doesn't even really care. And talks even her to- mixture looks blue gray. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever she's not mixing into the pies. that you want. No, it's. Uh, but it is bemoaning how fact uh, that how poor everybody is in London at this time and how that she can't afford the meat uh, to make her, a decent pie. But her neighbor is using cats. So hers are kind of OK because she's using cats. And people but, love them. Yeah. If you can well. only make so many out of a cat. So she's going to need more meat somehow at some point. So uh, after there's a I have to point out this incredibly this is what this podcast is for me pointing out incredibly random moments that no one has noticed me. Mm-hmm. But when he when she gives she gives uh, Sweeney the pot t- pie to eat and then gives him the ale to drink and he drinks the ale and he makes this horrible like noise in his throat. He makes the exact same noise. It makes me laugh every time because he makes the exact same noise with scissor hands after he drinks alcohol for the first time and he makes that exact same noise. Aww. So every it just delights me. Oh, well, Edward Scissorhands throwback. Aww. That's great and only the stupid film geeks like me no i love <laughs> it well no. i would be like i know that noise uh, that's great uh so, so she like lets him know like hey i've been kind of you know i know things were hard i'm sorry about you know i know who you are basically like you get that they're very old friends and she takes him upstairs to his old place so i guess he used to live above mrs lovett's shop and so that's she, where his barber shop is was. where his barber shop was and so he shows her you know well there, there's a baby crib in there and stuff too from 15 years ago and and so so she he asks what happened to uh his wife and daughter Mm -hmm. so she tells him the the story so judge turpin after uh sends for lucy has her come to his house where they're having a big masquerade ball uh and then 
rapes her in front of everybody yeah, while they, they all watch her. and laugh. That's he what, drugs her and rapes her in front of her. It's god awful. It looked like one of those like eyes wide shut like orgy mm-hmm. kind of moments because everyone's wearing masks. It's a masquerade ball, but not in a good way. And it's basically like devirtues her in front of all these people, which makes her. I mean, in this Victorian era of England, um, it's not a good look. No, so basically she, you're a used woman now. Sure. So she poisoned. Uh, Mrs. Lovett tells him that she poisons herself, and that uh, Judge Turpin now has his daughter Joanna locked up as, as his ward. ward. Creepy that term. It's really bad. Anytime you have old timey plays or movies or stuff like that, and they're like like some old dude's got a ward, it's never a good sign either because it basically means he's got like some child like sex slave kind of or, or or some semblance thereof. It's not good. No. So <laughs> Mrs. Lovett recognizes him and says, "Oh, you're Benjamin Barker." He says, "Ah, not Benjamin Barker. Not any." More. That man's dead. Yep. Sweeney Todd now. I'm Sweeney Todd. That's basically what I go by. He's like, I've been broken. This is my new my new look. This is how I'm going to make revenge. And, and she shows him the one thing that he needs that she has saved up in the floorboard. She's like, when they came for the kid and they came and took everything else, um, I saved these for you. And so she puts up the floorboard and she gives him his old tools and then we get this beautiful song, My Old Friends, My Friends. And he sings about his razors like they're his best friends. And he um, gets to a moment where he like pokes off the blade and glints in the, in the light ever so beautifully. It's the only thing that's kind of shined so far in the film because everything is just dark, dark, dark and dreary and dingy. And they glint in the light and he says, my arm is complete again. Yeah. And he sings to them, you shall drip rubies because he's planning on the blood that's going to come from his blades. And it's so good. I love this scene. And we also know because Mrs. Lovett has saved these knives that perhaps that she has a uh, fondness for Mr. Todd. Oh, she's real into him. She got She's been pining for this guy for years. She she's, can see yeah. she got a crush, crush, crush. I kind of want like a backstory, like a Mrs. Lovett backstory. I want right? to know everything. She's been waiting for him for how long has he gone for? 17 years, 16 years, yeah. 17 years. Like she's been waiting for him that whole time. Like, so she must. What, did he even notice her before? Did they have any interaction? Did she have a pie shop? These are questions I have. Right. Prequel. Sondheim prequel. Mm-hmm. No, that's a terrible idea. You're, yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to beautiful Joanna. She's um, sitting in the window um, like a little caged bird. And she sings this little bird song about like nightingales and all these other little birds. And she wants to learn how to fly away because they can fly to their freedom and have some sense of mobility. But she's been trapped, basically a girl in a tower. And um, she also says, you know, tell me how you sing while you're caged. So how do you, mm-hmm. you know, can I be happy? Can I pretend that I'm happy? Can I be happy with, with what I have? And she's not. Um, and she's not. But then she sees a sweet boy, Anthony. He's the sailor who's just made it off the ship that was with Mr. Todd. And he looks up to the window and sees that goddess of a girl in the window. And he is smitten. Yeah. It is love at first sight. Just and it right seems away. to be mutual for both of them. Yeah. And he starts singing a song about her. And because he gets her name from this little beggar woman that's around the street. This is, oh, don't mess with her. You know, it's, it's not going to go well for you. And it's Joanna, that's the that's the ward of of that judge, and you don't 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 do it. But uh, we also learn that uh, Judge Turpin, in addition to being just a monster, uh, is also a voyeur, as he has a nice little peephole that he can watch his word Joanna whenever he feels like it. Gross, super gross. But Anthony sings a beautiful song to her, and it's they have so a moment. I'll steal you, jo- Joanna. I had a friend named Joanna in high school. Did you? Still, sing that she's to her? still friends. And we would all she would all sing it to her all the time. Because I had a friend named Brandy in high school, and I would sing her Brandy. Of course, where's a braided? You have she to. She hated it. She's like, please stop singing that song. No, to me. Joanna loved it, and we were just like, especially if a boy could sing it real nice. She'd oh be like, yeah, yeah. Here for I, don't, it. I don't get people singing uh, the Beatles song to me. Julia, enough. I get it sometimes, yeah. but not very often. 
more if you meet me you know I'm going to sing to you. I'll sing it to you. So uh, Anthony sings to Joanna, uh, goes mm-hmm. around the corner, and, and Judge Turpin's just standing there. And he's like, What you doing be- out there? Be- beckons him over. And he's like, Hey, it looks all right. And then pulls him in. Uh, and I, I love this. You gandered at her. You gandered. gandered. <laughs> it's like he did kind of gander. I mean, Rickman saying gandered. Yes. I mean, deliciousness. <laughs> His voice uh, was everything. And I miss him. This movie made me miss him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and him saying gandered is, is just why watching is it so, Why is it so good? <laughs> it's satisfying because of the sounds that he makes and the, the open of gandered, the closed mm-hmm. sounds of it. I feel like a voice teacher right now. So what you like, um, <laughs> it's great. But you also realize he's not just like a terrible, he is a terrible voyeur as, as Julia said, but he's also like got an awful collection of like weird sex books from around the world. Cause and he's just, trying to, you know, he's, he's saying Anthony just wanted to have sex with her. And like, Oh, why don't you look at all these like pornographic things? If you're so fucking filthy and like, does he's this, like, no, that's like not what I'm about. He's, he was like, it was like true love, man. It was like true, true, pure love. And he's he actually a real pure soul. And the judge something is dirty. not that. And he's also got this, henchman the beetle i loved timothy spall in this role so much he's so good his face is everything because he's got the craziest face i've ever seen on the planet and, and like it's just his expressions are his eyebrows alone yeah <laughs> and he's leaning so far into the like the disgustingness of this character that it delights me it's great so he's by the door he's about to do the judge's bidding he's basically his little henchman and so um they throw anthony out beat him up a little bit but he's beaten up but still hopeful say he's bloody but he's still gonna get that joanna he's gonna Stealer motherfuckers. Yep. Uh, so then we get to a uh, scene in St. Dunstan's Market. It's great little market square where there is a little boy. And this is one of my favorite. I love this moment, too. I keep saying favorite. I guess I really love the I love the show. Um, and so there's a cute little boy, Toby, who's singing a song about Pirelli's Elixir. Come and buy it. So he's like a little barker for this um, traveling sales guy around the town who basically goes and swindles people and selling snake oil. Snake basically, oil It's disgusting. Sure. Um, this elixir that does everything and makes your hair wonderful and long and you'll look healthy and great. And he pulls off his hat and he's got this like horrible blonde hair that you're just like, mm, <laughs> it don't look too good. That's dubious. That doesn't look really great at all. Uh, he also looks uh, quite dirty and uh, and gaunt. And he just underfed. looks like a little low, low rag- Oliver kid. Ragamuffin. Uh, so we have Sasha Baron Cohen, who is playing uh, Pirelli. Pirelli in this over-the-top Italian man with a ridiculous cape and mustache and just... And a of- blue little outfit. I mean, everything about his outfit. He looks like he's in the circus. How do you feel about him as this character? I think it's perfect. Okay. I think it was very well cast. I think he is great at playing weird, creepy characters. Yeah. And so I was like, yes. Absolutely. Honestly, when the credits came up, I was like, oh, yes, he's Pirelli in this. I was like, can't wait for that scene now. (laughs) And, um, you know, he's self-absorbed and thinks he's great. And um, but in the audience, as this kid's talking about how great this elixir is, they're hearing some tisks tisks from a couple of folks, uh, Todd and Lovett, who uh, Todd will announce very lately that Pirelli's is uh, piss. Which it probably is. Uh, so he announces a because pub- it's yellow <laughs> a public shaving battle. Uh, be- who will give the cleanest, quickest shave? The shave off, and won't Beetle Bamford be the judge? Um, so we have uh, a wonderful song where you have Pirelli pontificating on and being this very stage presence, trying to talk about how great he is and all these. He's had shaved the Pope and over really flowery about what he's his accomplishments. And he's stropping his uh, razor, and every time he strops it to the end, he cuts Toby's hand, but it just keeps going, and it's just like, oh, Toby. I didn't even notice that. That's awful. <laughs> he's terrible. Uh, but while he's pontificating. 
Sweeney is able to just sneak in there and do it real quick. And he wins. And, and, wins. and the Beatles like, uh, as as uh, the middle, as Sasha Pirelli is in the middle of a very high note, whoa, like moment. And then he's like, uh, already done. Yeah. Uh, we're finished. He's like, wait, what? He's like, and I went anywhere halfway done with this this other guy's face. Mm-mm. And so he wins the um, the challenge. The challenge was Todd put up his razor mm-hmm. against five pound. Um, and so Pirelli has to pay up five pounds to him. In front of everybody. Yeah. Kind of bow and scrape as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mrs. Lovett tells the Beatle to come to uh, Sweeney Todd's tonsorial parlor at any yes. time. On Fleet Street, come by and see us any time mm-hmm. if you need that professional shave. Mm-hmm. So Beatle was... Takes that and puts that in his little brain. It's going to save that information for a little bit later. Next, we get Joanna. We cut back to Joanna. And um, she and little Anthony is by the window again because he cannot be stopped. But he's hiding kind of around the corner so he doesn't get seen by the judge this time. Right. And she decides to throw a key down to him. Go, Joanna. Yeah. She's, she's like, like, come get out. me. <laughs> yeah. You're cute. And Take you're cute. Me out. Take me out of here. You look sweet and kind. And I've never seen a face so kind in my life. Mm-hmm. So he grabs that little key and he makes a plan. And he runs back to his dear friend, Mr. Mr. Todd and who who will definitely help him, right? No problem. Sure. Uh, so he says, "Yeah, you just want to. I just want to hold her here for a little bit, and then we'll go get the carriage, and it'll be fine. And we're going to get escape." And so love it's like, great, right? You get Joanna; she's coming right here, man. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is kill Antony, and then everybody's good to go, right? She's like, he, we can take him out, no problem. Like, so love it's like already like way on that murder track, like so fucking fast. She's the first one. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's like such totally, a bad influence. Like, he really does not is. need her right now at all. She's like, like he's do already, you need murder weapons? Got him. I need meat. That's murder. Okay, great. Yay! <laughs> so, um, and he's on a singular focus, really, like Sweeney Todd. So, she, but she's like, no, 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 we can do this and make it all happen. So, um, uh, Pirelli shows up. And he comes upstairs and he confronts Todd and he says, hey, Barker, I know your shit. Yeah. He tries to blackmail him. And is not Italian, but ha- like super cockney rough, British. Rough, British dude. Uh, and knew and used to work for Todd as a little boy. And he was an apprentice. The Razors. Uh, so now that he knows he knows and he can't know, uh, Todd just beats him uh, with a tea kettle. Real bad. Smashes him up and puts him in a trunk. And then poor little Toby is like, hey, he's been downstairs eating pies with Miss Lovett. And he's like, "Um, I should go up and and check. And drinking some gin as well. And drinking gin because, you know. The kids, he used to work and live in the workhouse. They would Oof. feed them gin at night. And so anyway, he's already a little kid alcoholic. But he goes upstairs and he's like, where's uh, Pirelli? I should wait for him here. And Sweeney Todd's like, go back downstairs. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he sits on a trunk. And this is a great moment where he sits on the trunk and that hand is hanging out the yeah. side of it. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and he, so when, as soon as Toby goes down, back downstairs, Todd opens the thing and just slit, like the throat slitting in this movie is some of the worst throat slitting I can think of. It's a lot. So like just spraying blood everywhere. It's I great. love it. I love it. <laughs> I think my, I think my parents actually watched this movie. My dad was like, oh, it's too bloody though. It was too bloody for me. And I was like, I understand that dad. Oh, I, I liked it. Oh, I love it. Okay. I couldn't get enough of it. And Mrs. Like, love it. You love it. Mrs. Love it. All right. So then he slits the throat and I just said, nice blood. That's what's in my okay. notes. <laughs> so I guess I loved it too. Um, and then we cut to Judge Turpin sentencing a, a small child. You don't realize he's like hanging for a terrible crime and blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, they cut to it's literally a small little ginger boy he starts to cry he starts crying <laughs> and, he, and then he walks out with beetle bamford he's like do you think he deserved it oh yes he deserved it sir <laughs> it's terrible they're the this is like the opposite of save the cat moment it's like showing you what a terrible human he really is yeah i know um and so he tells him that uh 
he wants to marry Joanna. And he's like, well, if you want to marry her, to get her to like you a little more, you should probably get a proper shave because he's a little stubbly right now. Mm-hmm. And women don't like it when you're too rough on their face. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I know a guy you should go get a shave from. So he decides to head on over to Sweeney's shop. Right. And and they have a... a, a Toby's passed out from the drink and Todd wants to kill him. He's like, boy knows, man, we got to kill him. Yep. But Mrs. Levis, no, we'll hire him for the shop. He can be my little worker boy. And so he is placated that way. Um, and so, ter- there goes just Turpin. And so Todd he's, is, he's like, he's in my aunt so hands. excited. You can he's, tell he doesn't want to rush it. He wants to savor it. Cause he's been dreaming about this moment for 17 fucking years, but he's real excited. He's freaking out. And so he is got his razors ready and they start singing about pretty women because he finds out what judge Turpin's real motive for getting this close shave is. So if he didn't want to kill him already, now he knows he really wants to, because he wants to try to marry his daughter and he wants to give him the closest shave he's ever had. Um, death. But, so, but Anthony ruins it. He he runs in right at the climax of the song, right when it's about to pretty happen. Pretty women, pretty women. And now it's all for naught. And so now Turpin knows that he's in cahoots with this ragamuffin kid that's been hanging outside with the daughter, and it's all gone wrong. Uh, and the judge leaves in a huff. Um, and he is very upset and he's so upset because he finds out that Joanna was planning to run away that he sends her away himself to the insane asylum. Mm-hmm. To Fogg's Asylum. So now she's out of his hands. Um, it's going to be difficult to get her. And now um, the judge is out of Todd's hands. He's pissed. Yeah, so he sings a song about we all deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Lovett's got an idea. And they start to cook up a half-baked scheme. That's what I said. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. That's good. I like it. Thank you so much. So, so this is the, the crux of Sweeney Todd here. Is, this is, is the, the plan. The plan is uh, to use uh, the, while we're waiting for Turpin, we'll get him back. Don't worry. She's going to like buck him up. But while we're waiting, we'll just kill some other people. And, and we'll use their bodies for meat. And then I can make pie and you can kill people and get like your vengeance out like little by little. And everybody wins. Yep. So this is the like perfect business plan. She's like this. It won't. It won't. It can't lose. This, we got the perfect business plan. And so then they have the most wonderful song. Yes. Try the priest. And so I love this reimagining on the film for this because it's different than the stage version, obviously, because right. um, you don't have as many people coming on and being all that. But I love how they're looking out the window and basically planning who's going to be on the menu next. Yes. And so they look at the one and see the priest and then they see, you know, a, a barrister and they see like all these different um, people outside um, and that I, they're planning to cook. I love that the glass is like distorted that they're looking through mm-hmm. as it would be in that time period. Um, it's interesting because I, I, I feel like this this imagining of it is fun that you're looking out and here's a menu of people you could be eating. But I also think in, in the stage version, this is the one time that I think you see Sweeney and Lovett really have fun together. They connect. And they're like riffing off each other and like what can, can they one-up each other and it's more of like them together. And they get punny looking, with each other. Yeah, instead of like looking out and like being distant. Mm-hmm. And there's like, they like dance together and have like this kind of joyous, insane moment where like we've decided we're gonna commit cannibalism and murder and we're so into it. Yeah, and they like, like literally they're making jokes and doing plays on words the whole time. Mm-hmm. We'll serve anyone to anyone at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, the Todd and Lovett have this interest. Like I never quite get how he feels. Like he seems like he kind of hates her, but he all like in this in this number that like he puts his hand on her throat and he has like a knife to her throat and a razor to her throat. And I'm like, he's just kind of. She seems indispensable or dispensable to him. Like she seems, even though she's giving him everything he needs, he's still like he doesn't really care. 
Yeah, which is kind of uh, a lot of relationships. Yeah. So <laughs> that's true. He's a little preoccupied with the judge. He's a little focused on like his mission, which also I think sometimes is really hot. Yeah. You know, when you're like, oh my God, he's got a singular focus. He's going to be like a gajillionaire and you like see a guy right. and then you're like, wow. And then you realize later, like probably a bad move because he was just singularly focused, which is why I don't take guys to go to the gym a lot. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, I don't know where that all went around, but I liked it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we've got the city on fire. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening. Joanna's at the asylum. Mm -hmm. Um, Toby and the kids sings for pies like he did for Pirelli now. So the shop is booming. Uh He's out there singing basically the same song. Listen, everybody, please come and check out this pie shop, basically, which is now booming and busting with business because everybody is just loving that man meat. Um, and so, um, then we get this moment too. This is where we get, uh, we were trying to figure out love it and, uh, Todd's relationship too, about, Mm -hmm. um, by the sea. Ah. And she has a little like fantasy of what, what their lives could be like. And, um, she, you realize is in deeper than you thought. This is what we're trying to figure out. Like how long ago did she really plan to bring him back in? She's been waiting for him too. And she's like, hey, you don't really remember your wife's face anymore, do you? By the end of that. And he's like, no, not really. And that could be a problem mm-hmm. for where we're at now. Yes, that could be a problem. Um, and this, I mean, the sequence is so much fun. And it's probably the most like fun, se- you know, like f- they're trying. Quote unquote fun. Quote unquote fun. I mean, Sweeney looks miserable. Bright colors. But yes. it, it looks so wrong. They look wrong in the sunlight. You're like, no, 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 you look right when you're like in this dark, dank alley. They're you meant look, for the dank. Yeah. But you look at you look at it in like a bright and you're like, Jesus. It's a lot. This is like the only scene that's like in like Technicolor kind of like it's like got bright reds and stuff happening as they're like by a little seaside little like fanfare and stuff and, uh, he's not listening to her one, one bit, bit. <laughs> and she keeps asking are you listening yes yes but no not listening definitely not so they come up with what i call a harebrained scheme i'm mm, sorry i can't stop you can't um so anthony <laughs> but it, but i think <laughs> but i think that it's sweet i would just say that mrs lovett does say that it won't be like i dreamed and not like you remember but we could get by so it's like it's not really what you want She's trying to make a life. But, she wants to make something and, that's palatable, I mean, and, but she doesn't realize he's already too far gone. No, she is. He is yeah. way, way too far gone. So, so Anthony returns and he's like, hey, I'm never, I, I found out where she's at. He trailed and figured out where Joanna's at. He found her in the asylum and he's like, I don't, there's that place is like Fort Knox. There's no way to get in. I don't know how to do it. And Todd's like, hey, this is where the harebrained scheme comes in. He's like, wig makers go in there all the time. That's where do you think all the wigs come from in London? They shave the heads of these girls in the insane asylum and so he's like we'll just set you up as a wig maker's apprentice and you'll go in there and get her uh and while i do that i'm also going to write a letter to judge turpin Mm -hmm. telling him to be here tonight when you come back so that you'll be here because joanna will be here what's going to make him come the only thing that's going to make him come right if he says that joanna is going to be there right so he sends toby with a letter to turpin to go to the shop tonight um and toby comes back in and such a sweet you know after he's dropped off the letter and he Sing, tells Miss Love like there's a, I will protect you from someone bad if there's anyone bad around that you he's need. like there's demons around circling around mm-hmm. I don't like stuff that's kind of happening because he's noticing what's going what's up he's getting hip to the game of what's happening he's not all the way hip yet because he's you know maybe not the brightest of kids ever but he's figured out enough to know that Todd's no good but telling Mrs Lovett that he knows that Todd is no good is not a good idea because now. She's suspicious of him too much and he knows too much, which is what Todd was worried about initially when he wanted to kill him and she had saved him. Right. So So they have this song, not while I'm around duet that they sing. It's heartbreaking. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, to calm him down, 
is going to give him a penny to send him out to get some toffee. Uh, but she recognizes the purse that but she he, pulls that uh, penny out of happens to be Senior Pirelli's purse. That oh, she no, 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 had... no. Sweet, sweet. Todd just gave it to me for my birthday. And he's like, Todd, yes. He's That's bad. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Lovett's in this very awkward position because she, she, pickle. she was really infectionate and she really loves toby and i think like this kind of pseudo family is what yeah, she, she had wants, a made family that right? is exactly what she wanted like even in the background he's in the background of the beach scene that she has the fantasy of yeah, so he's and there. playing around he's not right next to them but he's there and that's when she envisions like and she has visions of her life it's a full family so i'm not makeshift this is i i like that this is love it's like one moment of humanity where she realizes what she's about to do and she has to do it. she doesn't want to do it. we get a little bit teary-eyed is her intention to bring him down to the bakehouse and kill him? Or is her intention to bring him down to the bakehouse and teach him what's going on so he can help her make the pies? I thought she was going to eventually have to kill him, but, but I think she she's wanted putting Chuck it off. But she Todd first, right? I think she's putting it off, yeah. Okay. So, but she knows he's probably going to get killed. He's on the way out. Okay. Um, and so, but she wants to, but you know. But she can lock him in down in the basement. So, so she shows him how to make pies and like gives him like, this is how you do the meat grinder. And this is, you can have as many pies as you want down here, love. That's fine. And he hangs out down there and she locks him in the basement. And she says, she says as she's leaving, she says, all right, son. And then there's like, they have this moment in his face where like he called, she called him son. And mm-hmm. he's so happy about that. Like, oh, but it's all going to go terribly wrong. Um, so we get to the asylum uh, where they're, where they have kept the lunatics locked up by hair color. Yep. So you can go in and pick which hair color you which want. Which color you want. Um, and so Mr. Fogg comes in and all the women cower for him, cower from him as when he comes in. So the, obviously he doesn't seem to be very he's nice. He's not nice. Uh, so they find, finds Joanna. And in the yellow hair section. In the yellow-haired section, uh, and leave leave Fog for for his lunatics to kill him because they're going to tear him limb from limb and take Joanna away, mm-hmm. which is different from the stage version. Yep, in which uh, Anthony tries to shoot Mr. Fog, can't do it, so Joanna takes the gun out of her, out of his hand and she shoots Mr. Fog. She's got more agency, for sure. She has more agency. Where she and obviously she's been pushed enough in this asylum to she's like I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah, she's like he's terrible and he deserves death. And so they Joanna doesn't get much in not this, in this version, you know, no, and so like I, I wish that it gives her something you're like, OK, she's got some spunk, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's doing it and she's not afraid to go all out. Right. But they make it back and they get out of there and he hides her and gets her like a little disguise. So she looks like a little street urchin with him. She's so cute. She's adorable in her little get up. Um, anybody looks like and when they look like a newsie is like super cute, I think. And so <laughs> she nails it. So they head back over to Lovitz. Um, in the meantime, little Toby is down in that basement and he bites into a pie and uh, it's got a finger in it. Mm-hmm. And he looks a little more closely at all the meat that's around him that he's been grinding and he realizes it's got fingers and stuff in it and human body parts. And he's like, ooh. Yeah. That's what's happening and that's what's going on. And then upstairs, there's some other stuff going on so because... the beetle arrives. Yep. Um, actually, not about that, but he's... Uh to, Love it does tell Todd that he's going to Toby's downstairs. He's going to go to the law. Like, what are we going to do about him? Right. Speedo shows up, who has come to uh, arrive to ask about the stink from their chimney because there's been some complaints from neighbors. I'm guessing it's probably the cat lady. <laughs> yeah, probably the cat lady. Uh, so he needs to inspect the base house, the bakehouse. Um, and I, this moment was Timothy Swallows, my favorite in the film. He has his little like snuff thing, which is disgusting. And then Sweeney compliments him on his exotic aroma yeah which he says his uh, his it was just a touch of ambergris is his secret and i looked up ambergris what the fuck is that this is great a solid waxy flammable su- substance produced in the digestive system of sperm whales that has a marine fecal order odor amazing 
<laughs> oh, so he smells real bad. He bad. smells terrible. <laughs> that's a disgust. I'm like, so it made me like blurt. that character even more that I was like, that's what he puts on. It's incredible. He wants to smell like, okay. Anyway, the sea by the sea. Anyway, so Todd's sea. like, Hey, I have something actually upstairs that I could throw on you that actually would make the women go crazy. He's like, what? Wait, what? I could smell good. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go upstairs with you. So just after Toby has this like moment of realization about oh, what is down here, the Beatles body falls and all these bodies, like not only are you getting these horrible throat slitting, but you're also getting these bodies smacking on the like concrete, on the concrete and breaking in terrible ways. It's, it's terrific and delightful. Yep. Um, and so Sweeney and Lovett come down to look for Toby and he's missing. And yep, they can't find him down there. He's hiding underneath like one of the grates and he's gotten in one in the sewer basically. Because they have a, the basement li- links right to the sewers. So they go down in the sewers looking for him. Question, they have all these like charred skeletons and stuff in the in her bakehouse down there. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just throw it in the sewer? Because if bodies start f- floating up. But I mean, it's bones, right? It's not bodies. And they're not, they don't, it's 1846. They don't have a way to like identify who those people are anyway. Who knows? Okay. Just question. I like, I don't know. I, I, I'm a final girl and I'm also watching a horror movie. So like, how do you, body disposal is important. When you burn all the bones, I guess. Well, they just have, what they had. of it, right? I thought they also had like a bunch of like, didn't they have a bunch of their clothes and stuff like that thrown in like a pile kind of on the side too? To rewind and look up that again. Uh, Um, so yeah, they, uh, Anthony and Joanna show up upstairs. Okay. Now I take the back though. I think that this is her one moment mm-hmm. where he's, you know, he's saying, just stay here and I'll be right back and we're going to run away and it's all be great. And she says, so we run away and all of our dreams come true. And she says, I've never had dreams, only, only nightmares. nightmares. And so she's, and he says, oh yeah, we we're, we're free of this place. All the ghosts will go away. And she's no, Anthony, they never go away. So like, she gets it though. Well, she's been haunted her whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think also like that realization, like, a feeling like she knows people or seeing people out the window. I mean, that's a whole life of, of just be, literally being haunted. So suddenly um, the old woman comes, the beggar woman that we have mm-hmm. seen around comes upstairs because she's, we wanted to talk to Beetle about this stink and wants to know what he's doing about it. Uh, so Joanna sees her coming and hides in the trunk. Yeah. That uh, Pirelli had been in earlier. Uh, and then Sweeney comes upstairs and there's this random woman standing in and she, he needs to get her out because he knows that Turpin is coming at yep. any moment. So uh, he wants to exact his final revenge. And, so he looks at her and she looks at him closely and says, I don't, I know you. Uh, but when, but suddenly just that moment he hears Turpin right outside and doesn't have time for it. She just slits, slits her, her throat, throat and throws her down to the basement. Um, and so in comes Turpin looking for Joanna who, uh, she'll be right along and you'll not be not happy to know the sailor did not molest her. She's, you know, seen the error of her ways. Care of him, yeah. Um, and so this is the replay, a reprise of the pretty woman number yeah. where finally we get the kind of the one moment, like this moment of his Benjamin Baca is like, that's the level of insanity I want for more of this film. Like, I, mean, I feel like this is the, you know, I know it has to be this penultimate moment. Yeah. This was just waiting for his entire life. Like I get it. But there's no intermission in a film. And I think that's, that's the difference. You that's know what I mean? That we don't have to build it up in the first half. Sure. And the second half. But this is also, he's, he's so like ravenous for his blood that he doesn't just slit his throat. He like stabs him with no, a he razor. Goes, he impales him in the, in the throat. Like it's like tracheotomy style. I didn't even know you could stab somebody with a razor, like a straight razor like that. It looks brutal. Yeah. So we get like, this is the super gusher, gusher, gusher. And he sends him on down 
as well. And she ends up on top of that lady. Like, I mean, he's just throwing bodies on the yeah. floor. Um, and sings his goodbyes to his razors. Now they can rest. They've done their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Joanna makes a mistake of peeking out from that trunk. And Sweeney just grabs her and just kind of he almost kill her. He almost, he's about to kill her. And thank God he doesn't. But he, he puts her on the, on the chair. But says, here's a scream. And uh, here's Miss Lovett's scream. And says, forget my face. And lets her go. Yep. I'm like, okay. All right. Because he's already done what he really wanted to do. He killed the person he really wanted. So he doesn't really need to go killing mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, so the judge is still alive down there and is clutching at Mrs. Lovett's skirt. Um, and when he comes downstairs, he looks at the body of the beggar woman and realizes it's his wife. It's Lucy. It was his long lost wife the whole time. That crazy beggar woman that we kept seeing throughout the film was mm-hmm. Lucy. Just all messed up. She had taken poison, but she didn't die. And, and Miss, Mrs. Lovett, Lovett lied to him because she loved him. And she said she'd be twice the wife that she was. Yep. Uh, so. And then Toby emerges now from under a great underneath. Well, Sweeney thro- throws uh, Mrs. Lovett uh, in the oven. Yes. Which uh, Toby sees and comes out from under the grate, picks up the razor that he has been cast away uh, and slits Sweeney's throat. Mm -hmm. Um, It's great too because there's a moment where Sweeney kind of, he's wanting it, he's waiting for it. Like he's like, okay, do it now. I'm ready to go. Uh, But there's also, he doesn't finish his phrase in this version. Um, Mm. Because he's supposed to, and he was naive and he doesn't Mm -hmm. ever say it. He just, middle of sentence and just slits his throat. Yeah. Well done. I like that. I think it's great. Um, And And he puddles all over his blood, just oozes all over Lucy's face as he's holding her and they're like dying together basically. Uh, and that's basically the end. Um, also slightly different from the ending of the stage version mm-hmm. in which, so Toby in the stage version traditionally has been played as kind of a simple man, grown man, and right. not a young boy. I think that's just for <laughs> licensing and equity purposes probably. probably. But, uh, but also in the end of the play, Toby comes out and is gone mad. Yeah. Gone, but like his hair is white and he's just raving about how like you have to grind the meat and here's the pies. And he's really lost his mind. Cause he's more in on what's going on. I think he knows more about the process and, it, but he still slits Sweeney's throat, but it's in this kind of distracted, insane state and not in a revenge. You just killed Mrs. Lovett, my surrogate mom state. Mm-hmm. I like both of them. Right. I, I always prefer like a, I've gone mad. My hair's all white kind of ending. I'm, I like those. That sounds like you. I know, doesn't it? Uh, so let's talk about some gore factor. Yes, please. Uh, one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. It's got to be a five. A five, there's a lot of freaking blood. A lot. From the credits on, there's just blood to the to the very end. There's it drip, drip, drops, and right. it's like the ends even with the like splotch. You know what I mean? They're like it's a lot of blood, um, a lot of neck, throat, slit throats, um, gouging, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, movie rating, zero to five train cells. One, if you're desperate, two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastical. I give this a four. Okay. Um, I think it's pretty freaking great. I just am really obsessed with the stage version of it. And I've seen it so many times yeah. in different places. And it's never a bad show. Even if it's like not a great cast, it's still a great show because the music and story are so good. Mm-hmm. You can't really mess it up too much yeah you know it, it i've always really enjoyed this version but again like watching the stage version back to back i was like wow i just the stage version i'm so much more i really lansbury like, is a beast and and just the, to let because you know johnny depp plays sweeney is so distracted this entire film like he's so you know he's look judge herb and judge herb and like i get that's part of his character but i feel like it 
he doesn't because he's not paying attention to anything else. He doesn't. He misses the connection with other people. Yeah, he's not reacting to anybody. So he's just this kind of mute figure for a lot of the time. And I feel like George Hearn plays him as insane, but also like these different levels of insane and like hysteria and this kind of different thing that I found very interesting. So I gave this movie. I'm giving this one a five because I think it's the best stage version, best movie version of this that I can imagine. Right. But uh, you know, we know in my heart, in my heart, the real version. Yeah. And if you haven't seen that version, we highly, highly recommend. recommend it as if we haven't talked about it enough. Yeah. But if you didn't think Andrew Lansbury was cool now, just wait. Dude, she's amazing. <laughs> amazing. All so right. uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the last film in our horror musical round, uh, which is... Anna sure. and the Apocalypse. Yes, from 2017. Yeah. And uh, we both haven't seen it, so we're both very excited. Yeah, it's on Hulu right now. So for those of you in America that can have access to Hulu, check it out. Um, it's on there for you guys. Uh, watch it. We can talk about it next week. In the meantime, let us know what you think. If you've seen all the Sweeney Todd's that you can, let us know there's, what you think yeah, about there's, there's, there's lots. There's, there's silent versions. There's one in the 30s. There's a whole bunch. So if check there's one the that we haven't seen that you would recommend, we're always into it. And yeah. if you'd like to talk to us about Tim Burton, Sondheim, Angela Lansbury, any of those things. I will talk any day, all day about Sondheim. Uh, yes. Just so you know. Uh, so you can find us on our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. And also, if you are into subscribing to Patreons, we would love for you to subscribe to ours. And we will be so excited to talk to you next week. Anna in the Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs>